You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Ben with the DIY Recording Guys. Happy that you decided to join us today. I'm here with my co-host, Vadim Karaz. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, Ben. Lovely new intro. <laughs> On the yeah. spot, I just asked you 30 seconds ago, hey, do the intro. And you came up with that, yeah. uh, that lovely intro. So good job. Well, thanks, man. It's good improv. It's thanks. jazz. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so today, I mean, this is kind of a big day for us. I don't know if... You realize this. This is, this is episode 85, which is a big number for me because when I Ooh. asked you to do this podcast, whenever it was, 2019, I kind of had the number 85 in my head. Where I was like, okay, no matter what, like even if we have no listeners, we're going <laughs> to do 85 episodes. It was a number I had in my head. So this is, this is it. This is episode 85. I can't believe it's here. Wow. How do you feel? I, it's amazing that uh, we're here already. It feels like it went by really quickly. Honestly. It, yeah, I agree. It does feel like it went by really quickly. We've done a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I wish I had a montage prepared, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're probably the first good internet friend that I've made that I've never met in real life. So this is that's kind of a, a milestone accomplishment, too. <laughs> that, yes, that is. a. Dis- I don't know if we've ever disclosed that before, but for our listeners, yeah. we've never met in real life. Maybe we have. We probably have talked about that. But yeah, it's weird. But I, mm. I feel the same way. I think that's a good way of putting it. You're the first close internet friend I've made. We, uh, we are in regular contact. I'm probably in more contact with you than I am with some of my closest friends from school because we talk when we do every time we record we end up we end up chatting for like an hour or so offline right yeah it's been uh it's been fun and really valuable I hope to both of us but it's been valuable to me to get some other insight from somebody at a similar level to to where I'm at with mixing just to get advice on you know whether it's business or mixed feedback it's been really helpful for my audio journey, so thank you for that. And I hope I've provided the same and similar to you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, you're welcome, and I I feel the same exact way. And for for people listening too, if if you haven't had this experience, um, you may be the only person you know if you're listening to this podcast that works on music, that focuses on critical listening, that cares about production elements. And that can be a lonely journey. So likewise, for me, it's been incredibly helpful just to be able to bounce ideas off of you. Hey, am I losing my mind? Can you listen to this? Yeah. That type of stuff. Or like, hey, have you heard of this technique? Have you heard of this thing? And uh, yeah, we've uh, we've certainly learned a lot from each other. And it's been, um, it's been great. It's episode 85. And we have a couple of things we've been batting around. We're kind mm-hmm. of deciding what to do, where to focus our efforts here. One thing we've come up with that we want to run by you guys is this idea of um, mix coaching. If you Google this thing, if you Google mixing, there's a ton of different stuff that comes up. And we've both, I know, paid over the years for numerous mixing tutorials where you can watch somebody mix on their DAW 
incredibly useful. I mean, I've I've learned a ton from these tutorials. I'm sure you have as well. Um, mm -hmm. But inevitably, a couple of things happen. One for me when I watch somebody mix in their DAW. First of all, it may not be the same DAW I'm using, so they're giving you shortcuts and tips and tricks that may not be 100% applicable to you. Two is they have a different set of plugins and tools and things that they're using. Inevitably, I don't think I've ever in my life watched a, like a full mix tutorial that I've paid for and not ended up buying plugins, right? Because you inevitably, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's cool. And so you end up starting to get into this mindset of like, I need those tools to do what I'm doing. And we thought, we were talking offline for about this for a while now, we thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could get coached on mixing in your DAW using your tools, right? So picture this, you would, um, you would have somebody, a coach working with you in your session, guiding you on your decisions with your plugins. And that way you can focus on what are we hearing? And then, okay, now we know what we need to do. What tool do we need to select to fix that? Wouldn't that be cool? And so yeah. Ben and I, we've been, we've been talking, we've been thinking about ways to do this technically. How would it work? We think we have an idea. If you're interested in this, if you'd like to work with one of us, um, and it, it's kind of like a pilot program because you're going to help us evaluate the technical feasibility of this. In the meantime, you're going to get some good coaching. If you're interested in that, email me, Vadim at DIYRecordingGuys.com. And we'll talk about uh, whether it makes sense to uh, for you to be in this in this pilot program with us. So yeah, anything to add on that, Ben? The only thing to add is that um, I love that we're taking this approach to it too because we're really putting our money where our, our mouth is and saying that like yeah, we believe that any DIY musician can have a great production on stock uh, stock everyday affordable things. So. You know, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to say, yeah, we'll work in your DAW. If you have only stock plugins, we will help you get a better mix than you have today. And I'm, or, or recording or production, whatever, whatever it is your goal is. And I totally stand behind that. And I, I think uh, putting our money where our mouth is, is a great way to prove that. Yeah, absolutely. And there may be instances where we do recommend we say you know what you really should consider getting this one plug in because it's gonna take what you're doing now to a higher level that may happen mm -hmm. as well but yeah i totally agree with you i mean really working in any daw with stock plugins that is a testament to philosophy it's saying it's not the tools yeah it's really the approach so again email me if you're interested in that we'll see if we can get you set up to work with us where this is just something we're, we're teasing around right now, not uh, offering it widely, but we do want to accept some people into this pilot program to, to kind of help us figure out if it, uh, if it makes sense. Okay. Let me take a quick break. I got to grab my computer charger. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to no worries. I'm going to grab, um, I'm going to grab some water. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're recording in the morning as we rarely, but sometimes do. So it's coffee o'clock, and also I have this, in my new studio, I have this window that's casting <laughs> some light here, so getting some, uh, if you're watching on, on does YouTube. Does that bother you? For, does that bother you for um, mixing, or uh, do you think it will? You're going to have to get a curtain? I know, it hasn't been a big problem yet. It's a small enough window. When I'm looking, when I'm kind of in the listening position, it yeah. never co quite comes into my eyes, and it just kind of 
It's the only window in this room because this is kind of a basement room. Mm, and okay. it just kind of creates a nice glow in the room. So I actually don't yeah. mind it. Yeah. I like having some light. And unfortunately, the only window I have in my room, I have covered with a blackout curtain because it would just be unbearable. If Okay. Because it faces... um. It faces west, so in the evening, the sun would be right in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but. Let's see, mine is facing south. So, mm. whatever that means. It, there is a, definitely an hour in the day when, you know, it kind of moves across and is, is a little more in, invasive, but it's, it's never quite in my you eyes. You know, there's, so. an, there's an optimal... Um, cardinal direction to face your studio for the correct acoustic performance <laughs> wow yeah for for a millisecond i was like tell me which way is it <laughs> that's the secret it'll solve all your problems you know what here's i i could uh i could we could come up with some snake oil here it's because the drivers and your <clears throat> monitors are are magnets and also your microphones yes so you you have to be aligned with the magnetic field of the earth in such a way <laughs> that it doesn't affect the drivers. What do you think? That's exactly right. So today I figured we'd do another deep dive into production episode. Uh, we've already featured a song by this artist, but I just finished another single for an artist that I work with. His name is Dan Casagrande. Um, and the song is called Fading Away. And I just wanted to kind of show a before and after look at the mix. So we'll look at what all the tracks sounded like after the production and recording phase was done. And then we'll take a listen to it after the final mix was finished. I thought it would be interesting to kind of look at how the tracks changed and, and I have them soloed out into individual groups. So not individual tracks, but individual group tracks together so we can hear what do the recorded drums sound like when we were finished with recording versus what do they sound like after mixing? I guess my idea behind it was I wanted to show people this is what a quality tone sounds like after recording is finished and this is what it can transform into after mixing is done. Because I, I think that especially whenever I first started on this journey of production and being a DIY producer and musician myself, there's always this kind of hanging question of like, especially for drums, but all instruments, all tones, all, all singers, how good is a good recorded tone or how, how good of a take do you need to, to be happy with that, to know that you can get a great final product at the end? Yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing. I mean, I, I always used to wonder that as well. I still do. You know, when you, when you hear a mm -hmm. song, you think, okay, what did that guitar sound like? when the amp was was mic'd. In fact, I remember when I first started doing heavy music, when I was recording my own heavy music, I would listen to CDs I thought sounded great, and I would listen to try and capture like the 10, or not 10, like three or four seconds where the bass would be soloed because of the arrangement, right? Where it would be like, yeah. bomb, 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 before the whole track would come in. And the same thing for guitar, and I would try to remember those timestamps so I could pull those timestamps into my session and just because you can just isolate the guitar. It's so hard to sometimes isolate individual instruments in a full mix. And that's the point, right? We're trying to make this whole mm -hmm. cohesive, massive thing. 
So to get this kind of look behind the scenes and like, here's what it sounded like when it was recorded. Here's what it sounds like in context of the mix can be very helpful. We've done this, like you said, a couple of times, mm-hmm. but hopefully it um, it's a useful exercise for you guys. So yeah, thanks for offering to do it, Ben. Where do you want to start? Let's start with, uh, let's show the overall uh, track. And what this is going to be is this is like right before I dive into mixing. The last thing I like to do is just export a version of the song that is all the stems are balanced together and it's a good starting point for mixing and it also shows us where the tracks wound up after production and recording ended so we'll start with that one we don't have to listen from the beginning we can jump right into the chorus the rec version so this is just what you guys recorded right yes okay here it is man yeah i was pretty happy with how the production came out i shared it with the artist that version before i went into mixing he's like oh man this sounds so good (laughs) so it's always it's always a big it's a big win whenever you get a production that comes out like sounding that solid just bounced let me listen to it one Um, more time and i want to you know we can comment on some specific things yeah sure a little bit more of it Yeah, so the the tones and like the the even the frequency balances are already sound pretty good to me. The the like the the things that I imagine we'll hear, like for example, the vocal is pretty dry, right? So the vocal is like very upfront. There's not a lot of um, space or depth to it yet, which makes sense because that's what we're recording. We're recording a mono microphone. And the drums are like very, especially the snares, kind of similar. It's like it's very, it's the transient is definitely there, but it's a little like one dimensional, which again we would expect yeah. because it's it's kind of a mono source, and that's what we're doing. Is this your new snare, by the way? No, this is Get Good Drums. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It sounds, and, I was gonna say the drums sound amazing. Uh, so yeah, for, well, for, I, I do love I do love that plugin. Um, it's pretty versatile too. Like I'll use that kind of as like the base for all of my drum production, and then like I'll I'll change the tones and mm. and use different samples from Trigger, or I'll use Trigger the program to use uh, different samples to change the tone of the kick and the the snare and the toms. What I, you'll notice what I didn't talk about is <laughs> the guitar. Specifically, the guitars sound really good to me. Um, I'm assuming this is. 
you kind of did the day two thing we talked about in a in a recent episode where you did you record DIs and then reamp them kind of separately? Yes. Um so I recorded the guitars on this one and Okay. We had the the artist Dan, he was in the studio with me and I was kind of just trying out tones with him there saying, "Do you like this?" and his his um genre it gives me throwbacks to like late 90s early 2000s type of guitar rock and so i kind of had that in mind like uh maybe like post grunge type mm. of i wouldn't say a high gain but like you know like a like a gain forward tone but something that's not you know fizzy not too much like high end on on the mm -hmm. gain and so i was i very much had uh, a specific idea in mind of what I was going for. And I think because, um, I think because we had such like a, uh, a specific focus, the, the tone basically doesn't change it or, or it doesn't change very much at all in the final mix as we'll hear. Okay. That, that, that's cool. I mean, like this is, it sounds great really for, uh, you know, for a, a production. And I think this is what we talked about. It's, it's, I don't want people to get the impression that this is exactly what you got the moment you hit record, but you did do some, mm -hmm. you know, amp or uh, yeah, amp selection, tone choosing. You chose the drum shells specifically. So you've done some of this work we've talked about up front, and I assume you've even done some some edits to this point, yeah? Oh yeah. Yeah, all the editing is completely done and right some melodyne tuning to the vocals as well right so so people listening to this it's not it's not that this is hit record and this is what you get this is probably already you know six to eight hours of work <laughs> that you've put in to yeah. get to get to this point um but yeah yes. it's a great starting point for mixing awesome um okay let's let's jump to the mix three which is the final mix cool we'll so Let's what I'll that do is maybe I'll play a bar and then I'll switch to the um I'll play a bar of what we just played and then switch <clears> to <throat> the mix and um we did level match the um the mix to the the unmixed song so that the volume doesn't change appreciably. Okay. All right, here we go. obviously a big difference there one of the big things just texturally that i'm hearing is like it's a more dense landscape where like mm -hmm. in in just the the premix version there's some some gaps you could have like um it's hard to describe i know you know what i'm talking about it's it there's less density like harmonic density yeah. in in what's being played whereas in the mixed version it's the seamless kind of landscape that's you know all the colors are are blended and blurred 
uh, together in a way that that makes them feel like one thing as opposed to five separate things being played at the yes. same time, right? Yeah, that's a great way of of saying that and pointing it out. It's it's kind of like when you a lot of times when you hear just the raw production, you feel like all the instruments are fighting with each other. You're like, oh, this the the drums sound awesome, but every time that snare hits, I can't hear the guitars anymore, or or it gets in the way of the vocals. And you know, that's basically the point of mixing is to make everything play well together, and so you can hear everything clearly, and you don't have things like masking or or covering up other parts. Yeah, like um, yeah, that's a good way of saying it too. It's they're fighting for sp- it. It's it's less dense, but they're fighting for space, like the um the uh the drums for example in the premix yeah. version like the yes the transient cuts through but then it quickly gets out of the way and so you have these like transients popping up but they're not mm-hmm. really capturing your attention maybe for as long as they want to and in particular i'm going to play this again you could listen to the difference in the in the kick drum where the kick drum is is more aggressive more forward the snare drum has a little bit more spread and the drums are like bigger right they're, they're yeah yeah they're and then obviously the main vocal is a, is a huge one there where you have that delay and reverb where you get movement kind of behind the vocalist so you have the the main vocalist still there up front but behind the vocalist you have this movement because of the reverbs and delays and it just fills in the space in the stereo field really nicely let me play that one more time so listen for those couple of things listen for the kick kind of um the kick aggression the snare how the snare sounds in the pre and post version and then the the vocals Also, the um, I mean, the thing gets brighter. Obviously, it looks sounds like you've brightened the whole thing. But all of a sudden, the the overheads, the symbols feel a lot more alive to me in the mix too. They have a lot more um, sizzle and sparkle, which might, might just be a, uh, that the whole thing is brighter. Did you did you push the whole thing a little bit brighter? Yeah, I do a lot of brightening to in the master bus processing. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of it. There's probably like a little one dB. Uh, like one dB gain boost using an EQ around like fourteen kilohertz, just to add mm. a little bit more sizzle. Interesting, yeah. So, so I definitely am getting a sense of space, and um, it just sound bigger. What? Tell me what else is going on there. So <clears throat> we didn't really listen to the verse at all, but these courses are quad tracked. But that's that. Uh, third and fourth guitar that come in they are way quieter they might be like 6 db or 8 db quieter than the main guitars and they're just there to kind of add a different um uh, different kind of tone balance because i think the main guitars are are brighter and then the 
the secondary guitars that are the quad tracked, they have a darker tone, so they kind of help to thicken things out a little bit more. Is um, quad tracking something that you do a standard practice? Or yeah, do you pick I, I pick and choose, and choose when you're going to um, quad track. For this song in particular, because it doesn't really... The verse is very similar to the the chorus as far as like, yeah, the, the, the chords change a little bit, but like it's kind of a very straightforward song and the drums get more intense, but that's really, that's basically the only difference between the verse and the chorus and the bridge is the chorus progression. So for such a simple song, I just wanted to make the choruses mm. feel even bigger, especially since the drums go into that like quarter note pounding type of feeling and so i thought that quad tracking would help to add more thickness to that but in other songs i would you know stay away from that i would just do the the double tracking and and be fine with that yeah so for i don't know if we ever we ever talked about this <clears throat> double tracking obviously when you take the same part and you record it just twice and then you pan them to the sides quad tracking you record it four times and you can pan them into different widths across the stereo field. My rule of thumb is if it's a, if it's a fast part or an intricate part, I usually will not yeah. quad track because you just have to edit the crap out of it. And even if it's tightly edited, you tend to lose some of like the transient picking tightness that you just get with quad, oh, the double tracked. But if it's like yeah. a very open section, kind of like this, this is maybe like on the on the hairy edge. But if it's a big like just open chords, it's a chorus. Sometimes the quad tracking really does help just fill things out and make it a really thick wall of guitars. Yeah. which I kind of very. I cool think that is a effect. misconception for people when they're thinking about production. Maybe at first, or they're just, they're just getting into it that they think, you know, more guitars is better. More guitars is heavier. It's louder. It's what it is is it's thicker. I normally distinguish between like quad tracking is like thicker sound, mm. more density, but less tracks is punchier. Right. Sometimes you want punchier. Like great point. I think in particular about great like point. bands yep. like Rage Against Absolutely. the Machine, like that's double tracking and a bass, and you know very simple. A lot of the vocals too are like single vocal take in the verses. You know, very punchy. Let's take a listen to each individual group stem and uh, we'll compare the raw recording to the final. So let, let's jump right into drums now and we can listen to like what the raw recorded drums sound okay. like compared to the final mixed drum. So here's the uh, mixed okay. drums, starting with unmixed drums, moving to mixed drums. Huge difference, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, big difference there. Obviously, the um, just the the reverbs, the room, uh, you know, the, the what you're doing with the sustain and uh, the compression. Obviously, you could hear like the snare 
you've you know you've you've set the attack on the compressor yes. so you get that initial transient spike and then you get this the, the long sustain plus the snare has that reverb um tail that it really helps it um Mm -hmm. fill out and yeah and so cut through as it well. gives you that sense of like the the drums have like way more sustain to it it helps it helps carry it through the the song and and instead of being these like sharp little peaks that poke out <laughs> and are kind of annoying at times it's it's more of like just the sustained instrument kind of like a like guitar distortion what what distortion does to a guitar makes it makes the sustain and the note mm. like more pleasant to listen to. Mm -hmm. It's very helpful to listen to like a raw, like a good a good recorded drum kit versus like a, a final mix because it always changes so much. Like granted it's a programmed drum, but like those those programmed samples are recorded very well and I would be extremely happy if I recorded a session in my studio that sounded that good. Like that's that's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for like sure. that raw recording. Yeah. And then I can manipulate that using mixing to turn it into like what you hear as a final product is and it's something that like from listening to records we all expect professional records to sound like. But it's just fascinating to fascinating to hear how like how much it transforms. Uh any other comments or do you want to move on from from here? Um, no, I think that's good. I mean, I, I guess we, we haven't, we didn't talk about EQ. You are doing some EQ things to basically enhance what you're trying to get out of each component of the drum. So with the bass, you're trying to increase the, the low end, mm -hmm. uh, kind of boom that you get. Um, so you're, you are, I think, shaping things to just maximize what you want, yes. minimize yeah. what like you I took don't out want, right? A decent amount of mids out of the kick drum because they're like an annoyingly mid focused and added a, a little bit of brightness but um i didn't want to go too bright on the kick drum because it's not a metal song it's a hard rock song and i wanted to avoid the like clicky kick drum right and when you're when you're eqing something like the kick are you doing it in context of the bass and the guitars or are you doing it in just with that's a, a great kind of a naked kick and you, you just that's a great question i would say in general i start with things pretty naked but this mix in particular i mixed a lot of the elements i don't even i can't even give you a reason as to why other than like i've been meaning to try this and maybe subconsciously like i i just kind of forced myself into it but I mixed a lot of the drums in the context of all the other instruments. And I think part of the reason why is because I didn't want to go overboard on any mm. EQ moves because I like the tones so much. And so I was EQing, especially the top end of the kick, to get the brightness right in the context of all the other instruments because I knew that like I just needed to be bright enough to hear, but you could have a tendency to go overboard or not right. enough if you just have it soloed. Sense. Let, let's okay. move on to um what's next here bass guitar and we can just show the uh the recorded bass versus the the mixed bass no, that's...
Very interesting. What I really the only thing I hear is a uh, a nice medium mm. wide boost at like one k. Like just like you push the mm -hmm. that that nasally region forward. Yeah, that is right. To, I did do a very yeah, was that, is that broad right? cut, probably around three hundred or four hundred hertz, just to get rid of some annoying like mid range. But okay, yeah. uh, that was kind of the point in showing like the recorded and final bass is that they really didn't change too much at all. Like I was happy with the tone, and you know, yeah, beginning to end, there's just a couple EQ moves, and it's it's there. Yeah, absolutely. I I was going to say that that both of these individually sound like great recorded tones. And so you know, I they they both sound fine. I think that what you've probably found is you just needed a little more either a little less of that low mids um 300 400 whatever you cut yeah. or a little more of the 1k again just to help it in the context of the mix, but individually they both sound like fine you know recorded as recorded tones it was more of like a mixed decision yes. that that yep. drove you to, to do what you did absolutely let's let's move on to guitars now cool all right we'll do guitars next So th this sounds to me like a similar type of move as on the bass, where you've you, you seem to have cut like some, maybe somewhere be around mm -hmm. three hundred to four hundred hertz on this as well. This yeah, like um, a bit of a scoop. in particular, like Dan as a vocalist, he's got a great voice. He's very like low mid focused, like he's got a very like deep baritone voice, mm. and I really wanted to get the guitars out of the way of the vocal and. So that mid-range scoop was kind of necessary to do. I also rolled off using a low-pass filter. I filtered off some of the high-end fuzz of the guitars as well. That's, that's common, especially when working, if you've ever seen videos on people uh, showing you how to make amp sims sound more real, that's like a staple of what they'll tell you, mm -hmm. is like roll off some of the top end because that's just naturally what happens when you mic a real amp and it just it sounds a little Interesting. more. Okay. I can show the lead. What else you got here? Okay. Yeah, we can do that the same spot chorus. All right, let's let's listen to it. Yeah, it is because there's no vocals in that in that part, so it is kind of mm -hmm. like the the feature. 
and there's a lot going on left to right. Yeah, you kind of have the like the attack of the notes is is like in the middle almost, and then you have like the the sixteenth note picking or whatever is out to the sides. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're doing you're doing a lot there. I could see where that was a challenge, especially with and all the and all the synths to, and strings that I wound up adding through. in as well. Like the, I almost went overboard <laughs> with the amount of production elements that I added, and and <laughs> uh, you know, it made me think. Like after I was adding a lot of these parts, it made me wonder if like I should have taken a more like simple approach to things. But everything wound up working, so I just trusted my gut on it. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends what you're going for, but that that's a good, uh, if you're listening to this, if you've ever had a section that it just doesn't feel full yeah. enough, like this is the type of stuff you can do is add layers, add layers, add layers, and spread them both front to back using reverbs and delays and left to right using panning or panning automation. And that's how you get this kind of bigger right bigger soundscape not always appropriate but um for this section it sounds like it is appropriate is your this is like yeah a bit of a climax of the song or this is that's what i'm calling it i mean i don't know what you would (laughs) call it either because it's not really a guitar solo but it's a a bridge in essence yeah um right just three more stems so we've got strings synths and vocals so we can just hit those really quickly do you want to do strings next Yeah, not a not a huge difference there. And it sounds like you're doing a bit of EQ. Um, they sound a bit more present and a bit high past, I would say. But there's not a little a bit huge of EQ. Difference. The actual what, what the presence is, is coming from well, probably from the mix bus processing, but also I like using the CLA three Waves plugin on strings. And when you hit it with a compressor, not too hard because mm. I like to keep the the strings sounding pretty organic, but it helps the loud parts like not jump out too much. But a side effect of that plugin is it does add more presence. So you just kind of get more top end from mm. strings in particular. So that's the big thing happening with that. And then we could show, cool. maybe we could compare the synths back and forth here. Cause there's a lot of different synths happening. Yeah. <laughs> if I can find them, let's see. Interesting. 
So on the sins, it sounds like you're actually taking away some of the some of the bite, like the upper mid bite. You're kind of yeah, very softening that, uh, very astute it. of you. <laughs> um, part of what I found was I I like these tones, and and sometimes what I find is you have to do this with synths a lot in rock productions. Is that if you leave the the top end of some of these saw type distorted synths in too much, they they start becoming too obvious as you add top end to like the whole mix. And I don't want it to be so obvious that there's like that much mm. fizzy high end in the synth interfering with like the cymbals. So a lot of times I will back off, especially if it's like a really mm. aggressive saw, I'll like, I'll roll that high end off a lot. Yeah, and I totally. do, I do yeah. add a lot of like really long tailed reverbs to synths because they just, I don't know. I like that sound like really between like eight to 12 second, like delay or reverb times, reverb tails, just to give it that big. Yeah. Yeah. I really have washed yeah. things out and yeah, it's, um, that's another one where you, yeah, you, you know what you're going for there, which is, this yes. is like the, the <laughs> yep. butter on toast, right? It, it fills in, it fills in the cracks and uh, just gives you a smoother, more dense, yes. more complex landscape. Cool. So last one, the last one we've got here is the vocals, and that's okay. very that's probably vocals? the most interesting besides the drums is to listen to the the raw recorded vocals versus the the final vocals. And we can go back. All right, let's listen. Yeah. When you're convinced. Then it's not getting any worse Don't be afraid And don't tear yourself apart When it's over When it's all said and done Don't fade away Your lot's still I mean... The first thing, even just listening to the recorded tracks, I think it's obvious you know, how many harmonies and layers you are applying here. And we've we've talked about this when it comes to big vocals before, but a lot of it is the arrangement. Yeah. You're you're creating what would effectively be like yep. piano chords out of the vocals, and that a lot of times, I that's something I struggled with tremendously at first. Was like, well, my vocals don't sound big enough and I always thought it was some plug-in or something I was missing but what I was actually missing was this element of it was the arrangement so maybe talk about what's oh, that's, going on yeah there that's a great point um so yeah whenever he came in to record the vocals he only had the melody hadn't really thought about harmonies at all which is very typical honestly mm -hmm. for for vocalists because they're just singing their melody part along with their band or sure. that they've written along with their acoustic guitar so we got those down first. We recorded a single double, uh, a single double in the uh, the verses, and then in the choruses we have wide stereo doubles happening on either. So you have the main track, yes, and then you have two more on, of the on same side. part. We might have okay. even like quad track doubles for the last chorus to make it even bigger. I don't remember, but I'm thinking that's what we did. Uh, so after we got all those tracked, then I started talking about harmonies with him. You know, I asked, "Do you have any harmonies in mind?" No, but let's let's try a couple. 
And so the first one that he went for was the lower harmony, which was cool. Um, so we mixed that in just to add like a lower, you know, lower frequency, like harmony to go in there. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Let's do a higher harmony. And I think what I did was I used, um, right. I used Melodyne actually to, uh, to shift the pitch of his vocal up. I think it wound up being a third and we liked the way that that sounded, um, or we liked the notes. So I said, okay, now that you can hear that, let's try doing a take of that. So that, that was an instance of using a tool or technology to inspire us to, to record a different part. So he sure. actually went back, he went back into my vocal booth and recorded that harmony that I had synthesized using Melodyne. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of our guide track to do that. All right, let me, let me play one more time back and forth with the mix and you could talk about some of what's going on there. Okay. Then it's not getting any worse. Don't be afraid. And don't tear yourself apart when it's over. And when it's all said and done, don't fade away. Well, a lot going on there. Yeah, a lot. Um, I use some distortion on the vocals. Uh, probably more than I typically would use, but it sounded good in the mix, so I just left it where it was. When you solo it, though, you're... I, I kept thinking to myself after soloing it, is that too much? Is that too much distortion? But in dense productions, I feel like you can get away with a little bit more. And yeah. it just helps to texture things a little bit better. Um, what else did I have in there? I had probably some room reverb in there very at a very low level uh on an effect send just to add some room ambience mm -hmm. uh what else did i have i had a an eighth note and a quarter note delay and you might have heard the weird ping pongy thing um i think that might have been like a hmm. dotted eighth note ping pong because there is kind of like a bouncing back and forth that sounds like it's not like it's out of time, but like a triplet feel or something like that. And it's almost distracting and it almost was too much. But when I took it away, I, I, I like the thickness that it added to the vocal. And so I left it in there because uh, when I took it away, it just sounded like the vocal was too thin in the mm. mid range. And it's weird how you get that like psychoacoustic effect of like when you add a certain type of delay it it thickens the vocal more than you notice it adding ambience and that's definitely what i noticed from from adding that specific delay to it mm. yeah that's a great point and you also get this effect of when there's like a staccato syllable or something like that you get this this cool like bounce push pull bounce mm -hmm. but when there's an extended note those delay those delay notes kind of build up on each other and you get this like filling out of like instead of a staccato yeah. thing now you get this fill out across the um the stereo field and it sounds very cool for sustained notes so i i like that a lot delays on vocals are very cool especially multiple yes. different types of delays yeah and i th i think i built the production 
like especially the strings and the the synths i built it kind of around dan's voice because he has such like a uh his voice tends to sit in the 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 mid frequencies more than in the like the high mids so i knew that i could get away with a lot of like frequency buildup from the instruments in the like the two kilohertz region Hmm. which is like where guitars and a lot of like synths like to live uh because i knew that his voice would probably sit at like 1k or lower mm. in that area there and there would be room for it synthesizer well, or right? like guitar you, you got yes. the, the bass in the middle you you carved out a little bit of that low mids and then you did the same thing on the guitars and by doing that you created space for that that part of his voice which which is um that's good thinking thanks man well that's basically all i wanted to share i mean all i wanted to share it's a lot <laughs> thanks for sharing it it's a great sounding production and, thanks man um especially the uh those those vocal tracks the layered vocal tracks sounded really cool um really like the way they the the how large those choruses sound and it's a combination of a lot of things, right? It's a combination of the mm-hmm. vocal layers. It's a combination of quad track guitars. It's the synths filling out the mid range. It's the strings filling in the high end. Like it's it's the whole production, dare I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you only know how to do this stuff whenever you just play with it a, a, a long time and experiment with different things. So uh, I would just hope it's helpful for. Whether you're new at this or you're a seasoned pro and just looking for new trips or new tricks and tips for how to get your productions to sound the way you want them to sound. Yes, and uh, it's a great time. And I actually didn't realize we'd have such a nice time. But if you're interested <laughs> in getting some mix coaching, again, we're toying with the idea of doing a mix coaching program where we work on your song not somebody else's yes. song, your recordings, right? In your DAW with your plugins. And we're working out the technical feasibility of such an arrangement. If you'd like to be part of a pilot program, just reach out to us. You can email me at vadim at diyrecordingguys.com and we'll see if we can set you up for the pilot program. Until next time, it's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.